Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason. And that song was written, produced, and performed by a very good friend of mine who I absolutely adore. He's been on my show before. It's called Haunted by the Tiny Thing. And he is, his given name is Michael Lee, but he goes by Lewis Cipher, and he is the front man for the band Cipher. He, which is a political industrial band, and then he decided to set out and go solo with his on record, which is out June 1st. So, ladies and gentlemen, you're hearing this music for the first time. We are debuting him and, and putting him out there so that when it is released, you can go and enjoy it. He's been in the music business for 25 years, and so this is the first chance to hear this new material, and... If you want to call in, ask some questions of the original sewer-dwelling mad monster, Michael Welcome. Hey, you are now literally four for four. Every time we've released an album, the song that you choose to start your show is the song I'm literally most proud of on the album. So you just nail it every time. Wow. And see, Pretty we awesome. don't even talk before the show. I just You just send me the songs and I just pick them. Yep, you do, and that one is uh, very, very close to my heart, um, and uh, I actually got goosebumps listening to it. I've listened to it probably a million times trying to learn all the words because I've got a horrible memory, and that's the first time I've heard someone else play it, and there's something magical about hearing someone else play your music, I think. Um, well, so, yeah. that, that song is, it's, the title is called Haunted by the Tiny Thing, ladies and gentlemen, and it is yep. a haunting song. Um, yeah, it was actually a challenge that was laid on me by a friend that I met when I moved. Um, I met them like a week after I moved out here. Yeah, or no, like three days after I moved out here. And um, I found out they were obsessed with tiny things, anything that was small. So, you know, you find a little sword or, or a little teacup or whatever and and they loved it um that was like their jam was these tiny things and one day we were talking online while i was in the process of writing this record um which i used a completely new process for that i'll tell you about in a bit but um they had listened to cypher stuff and they said you should do a real angry song about tiny things and i thought you know that's cool maybe i should um and i wrote that song it took me about 25 minutes to write the words to it um, because I got this image in my head of walking down a street and you go by a store and there's this little thing there, you know, amongst all this great big shit that stores usually put in their windows. And I started to think about life and, and how that works. And uh, I think the one thing we forget to do as humans too much is to savor the little moments. True. We worry about all the big shit that happens, but we don't spend any time on the little things I had someone tell me once, uh, my favorite thing about you is the night that we danced in a kitchen together. Well, Christ, that was one little moment in time. Do you know what I mean? But it meant so much to that person that I started thinking about all the little things in my life. And instead of worrying about, Oh, I haven't seen my kids in eight months or I haven't seen my daughter in this many years or whatever. Now my brain goes to, Hey, remember when I was playing on the floor with my daughter, that was really fun. I haven't seen her in a while, but I still had that really cool moment in time snapshotted in my head. And I wanted to share that with people. And I think one of the big lines in that song that everybody that's heard it, and there's a very, very select, I think only five people before your show have heard this record. 
Um, and, and quite honestly, they haven't heard the whole record because I'll tell you, there's two songs I've recorded since I sent you that that I'm going to be adding to the record. Um, ah. But that particular song um, is the one that most people message me and go, wow, what do you think of this? And uh, when I sent it to you, I didn't include the original version. I included a radio edit of it um, because obviously anybody that's listened to my music before and knows that I like to sprinkle it with colorful language. Um, but I actually dig the radio version more than the original, um, which is cool. But the line in it that everybody comes back to me is they're like, what did you mean when you say there's joy and sorrow? That doesn't make sense. But there is. And it does make sense. It, it makes does. sense if you think about it from the perspective of you can be in the most miserable place in the world. I'll give you an example. Today I was having a really shitty morning. Uh, some shit happened that I ended up having to basically throw my whole morning of plans away. And in the middle of dealing with all this shit storm, there was a knock on my door, I opened my door, and there was my roommate with a piece of rhubarb from our garden and a little bowl of sugar. And there's nothing better in the world than a nice fresh piece of rhubarb and a bowl of sugar. And I've said that before, but just that moment of caring that someone shows for you, even though you're having a bad day, don't cling to the bad day, cling to the piece of rhubarb. You know what I mean? So it may, it, it, I tried it, to, what it does is it, it makes the, the, the badness not so bad. Exactly. Exactly. Because you're finding that one little thing that may seem stupid to anyone other than you. But it's not stupid it, because it's important and it impacts you, you know. And it meant something think, to you. Yeah, it's it, people think all the time you got to make big grand gestures, and I was the worst for it. I'll tell you, Yvonne, before the last six months, I was terrible for it. Everything had to be a grand gesture. Everything had to be a big show. Everything had to be perfect. Not anymore because it's not about – the, the perfection of something, it's about the people you spend it with. And if there's one thing I hope that the world learns from everything we're going through right now is that's the truth, is that people are more valuable than anything. Because they're the ones that create those little memories with you. And that's what I hope. You know, maybe I'm an optimist. Well, let's not go that far. But, you know. <laughs> I was um, to say, Michael, um, I'm glad I have my boots on because it's going to get a little deep if we go there. There's <laughs> a big pile of horse shit in the middle of this room, right? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a saying that people soften in their old age. Maybe I'm just getting soft as I get older, you know? Well, no, um, I think our perspective changes sometimes as we get older for some of us. And, and when we... When you and I have, you and I have traveled strange journeys, and and sometimes they've mm-hmm. been parallel in in the journeys that we've taken, and the and the people that we've met on our way, and I think that as we've gotten older and as we've put things in their proper perspective, the things that were important are no longer important because now we're on the second half of our journey. You know, I think the other thing there you brought up that I think support that I agree with everything you just said, because that's true. Because, you know, let's face it, we're all just here to walk each other home, right? Right. At the end of the day, that's what we're, that's our job. We're here to walk each other home. We're all human. We're all here. It doesn't matter what color, what creed, what religion you are. We're all here to get each other to the end of the race. And uh, what's interesting about that, though, is you talked about how you and I have had a strange journey together in the last, well, we've known each other for about four years. 
um, four or five years. Yeah, it's been that long. Mm-hmm. Um, Seems like yesterday. But it does, it does feel like yesterday, the first time we did your show. Um, and uh, one thing that I've learned about our journey together is that we've been parallel at a number of times, but there's been other times where we've been diametrically opposed. We have. But we've always been able we've been able to talk about it. We've been able to say, Hey, here's my perspective. You've been able to say, Hey, here's my perspective. Yeah, we get a little heated now and then. But at the end of the day we can agree to disagree. And, and that's and something that is And we come back together as friends, which is important because yeah. to me, all of the other BS aside, the thing that I hold on the the, the greatest is my friendships. And if something, exactly. else gets, if something else gets in the middle of that friendship, then that friendship yep. was not going to be sustainable anyway. No, and I think that you, not just you, but people in general, forget that. Because we're so, we live in this fast information society where everything's accessible at the click of a mouse. And we forget that there's a, a real person sitting on the other end of that computer uh-huh. when we're, when people are typing at everybody, like how many times a day do you see that disgusting crap? Oh, some dude's sending me dick pics again. Some dude's hitting on me online. They forget there's a real person sitting there and it's bullshit. And we've been conditioned over time to this quote unquote keyboard courage that people are almost afraid to state their opinion now. And and I think that's ridiculous. I think that that's exactly the opposite of what the members of Generation X wanted to do years and years and years ago when we said, fuck you, Tipper Gore, you're not censoring our shit. We never once wanted not to be able to have an opinion. Now, conversely, there's a lot of shitty opinions out there, and I think those should be called out too. So it just, it's, the world today is not, it's sad to me. I I posted a thing the other day on Facebook and said, you know, right now our goals may align, but I don't fight for any one cause or anything. I fight for the world I want to live in and I want my children to live in. And if tomorrow our goals don't align, that's great. You're still my friend, but I'm going to call you to task if you say a shitty thing. It's just the way it is. And people don't like that. It's not my problem. You know? Sorry about it. I grew up at a time where we fought for every goddamn thing. And and, 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 and I, I, we, our generation fought for, and and the generations before us fought for the lack of a better word, the right to be able to express an opinion whether anyone agrees with it or not, because we still have that availability to our own opinion. Doesn't make it right or wrong. It just makes it an opinion. Exactly. And one of the things that people forget a lot, and especially when they get into um, this generational gap, because sociologists say, you know, you understand generations one below you and one behind you, right? Um, After that, it's kind of there's too much of a generational gap. And uh, the problem that I see right now is that because of everything our generation of on fought for, the generation now has the ability to do the things they're doing. What's funny is that the people, a lot of people from our generation don't see that. 
and they see it as, oh, you're a snowflake, oh, you're sensitive, oh, you're this, oh, you get offended too easy, oh, blah, 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 blah. You know what? A joke's a joke. I get it. But they have the right to the opinion that your joke sucked. And they have the right to tell you that. They don't have the right to censor you, but they have the right to call you to task when you're being a shitty person. And that unfortunately is lost on a lot of people. And this is the logical progression. I, when, I, when I moved into the, the place I'm living, and, and you know my roommate, actually. Uh, she said to say hi. That's Sarah from Panda Bee. Oh, yeah. Um, she, uh, she's my roommate. We, we sat at the table one day and we were talking about it. And it's amazing that people don't see the logical progression from the baby boomer generation progressing through to the millennial of exactly how all of this came to pass because it's there. It's logical. It's obvious. But the problem is, is that you've got conflict because the messages are diametrically opposed and in, but people don't understand how to deal with that conflict. So it's become, you know, shit like, Oh, you're a fucking millennial pardon my language or, you know, okay. Boomer and all this ridiculous bullshit. Why can't we just look at people and go, oh, you're a human being and you have an opinion? That's great. I'm either going to agree with your opinion, I'm going to disagree with your opinion, or I'm going to be indifferent to your opinion. But I'm going to let you say it. You know, And, and it depends the, the on the word. level of respect uh, that I have for you as to whether or not I value it at all. <laughs> exactly. I mean, let's face it. The, 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 the core of the whole thing right now, the core of the entire planet right now is you got a whole bunch of people that are scared scared shitless and they want to say, oh, don't be afraid. You're being afraid. You're being afraid. Everyone's afraid. I don't care who you are. You show me 100 people, 99 of whom admit to being afraid of this COVID thing, and I'll show you a liar. Because the I'm simple fact that you're not afraid. I'm, I'm, I've grown to the point that I, I'm not really afraid of anything. With everything that's gone on in my life, I have no fear. I really don't. I, I think there's a point, though, where we have to have a, a healthy sense of fear. I think it's unhealthy to not be a little bit afraid of something like, okay, and, and I've admitted this on your show before, and I'll admit it on your show again, I'm sure. I've suffered from suicidal ideation since I was eight years old. I've lived through all of it. I've fought my way here. COVID was a real easy way. I'm immunosuppressed. A real easy way for me to run out and lick some doorknobs. Uh-huh. Problem solved, right? No, I'm terrified of it. You know why? Because I didn't choose to die from a fucking virus. That's true. That's not how I'm going out. And I think there's a healthy... I mean, I have a unique relationship with that. But we, uh, we, we came to a conclusion. This is my choice, not yours. And COVID was not the way that I chose to go, <laughs> you know, straight <laughs> up. And, uh, you know, I think that I think that we live in a world right now where the world is controlled by fear. People are afraid of what's going to happen. People are afraid of losing what we know as society. I hate to be the bearer of bad news to the world, but we're never going back to the way it was. This thing isn't going away. Never. But then it won't go away. It, it, it's. Neither is the flu, neither is pneumonia, neither is heart disease, neither mm-hmm. is cirrhosis of the liver, neither is hypertension, nope. neither is all it. the other maladies that are out there. Neither so is getting hit by a truck. Though. Let me ask you a question, though. How many of those things, okay, I, I understand that the, the, the reaction to COVID versus those things seems to be very 
very extreme. However, how many of those things should we maybe know more about, but we don't because people found, oh, this will cure it. Let's deal with it. The common flu, everybody talks about how many people die of influenza every year. Numerically, the number of people that died from influenza last year versus the number of people that have died from COVID in two months, there's no comparison to those numbers. Worldwide, there's no comparison. True. That being said, one has to also look at the under, like the immune deficiencies or immune compromised bodies that get anything, whether it's the flu or whether it's COVID or whether it's any other malady. Once the the body is immune compromised, it cannot fight off anything. Case in point, what the world doesn't know about how I lost Jack is he mm-hmm. had he had COPD, chronic COPD. He was insulin de- yep. dependent diabetic. He had high blood pressure. He had colon cancer that they removed, but you know yourself with cancer, it can pop up anywhere else. Then yep. he had congestive heart failure, which was exacerbated or brought on by the diabetes. So when he got the congestive heart failure and they put the defib in him and I brought him home because I told the doctor, he's dying, isn't he? And he said, not today. He said, not today. He says, this is what we're going to do. So that gave me an extra few months. But what killed my husband was not congestive heart failure. What killed my husband was a bug from wherever that his body couldn't fight off. And it wasn't COVID. How many times do you hear that same story, right? And I'm not trying to discount your husband's passing. I'm just saying this is exactly what I'm talking about. Exactly what I'm talking we, the about. The bugs is that, are everywhere. And anybody whose system is, is already compromised, they are going to be more likely to get anything that's out there. That That's the whole point of that dissertation. Anytime our system is yep. compromised, the body can't fight everything off at once. True. And sadly, that's what happens. It is what happens, and it's, it's an unfortunate reality. I mean, I know I've shared with you, you know, stories about my son that passed on. Um, he was right. a C2 quadriplegic on a ventilator with a compromised immune system who got um, necroptic tissue from his bed. But at the same token, as, as as much as I hear what you're saying and have lived it literally myself, I get a flu, I'm down for a week. Right, because your weeks, body can't you know. fight it off because you're already compromised. Right. At the same time, a flu, 99.9% of the time isn't going to kill me. 99.9. There's that point one. There's some pretty nasty flus out there. Yeah, there I are. I literally <laughs> hadn't. I've had my doctors literally tell me straight up, you catch this thing, you're done. There's no fun. And in, and in your case, as as in That's Jack's terrible. case, I, you you do everything that you possibly can to keep your body and your, your welfare safe. 
Mm-hmm. Are there any one hundred percent guarantees? No, they're not. So you just live every no, day. No, I'll tell you the hardest part of it, so, and this is what's taking me and, and why I've been so vocal and everything else. The particular problem with this particular virus, as opposed to the other ones that we've talked about, is that you never know who has it. Because if they aren't immune compromised, it only shows up in a certain percentage of people with symptoms. Because it doesn't show up in everybody, every person that you encounter it's a really weird feeling, and this is just coming from an immune-compromised person who has done a shit, pardon my language, but a shitload of research into this. Um, every person I encounter on the street, every person I encounter in a store, every person that doesn't observe social distancing, like I'm not even saying doesn't isolate and stay home. I'm saying observe social distancing when you are, right? Every person that I encounter could be literally the last person I that, 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 that affects my life. And that's a scary reality. Now, from my perspective, I do still go to the store when I need to go to the store. I have gone to a couple of different stores. I've scouted out stores. I've seen which stores are doing well at controlling the social distancing, which stores are doing poorly. You can guess which ones get my business. The ones that you and, don't and and, and that's the thing. And I think that where I'm having an issue, and, and there's a, a statistic and, and a fact that is missing here. And, and it's, it, it, this comes from years and years and years and years and years of being a very, very vocal political guy. I tend to watch politics and I look for connections and things like that. No, I'm not wearing tinfoil hats and saying Donald Trump eats babies on Friday afternoon because he doesn't. But the day that the tune changed from we need to close everything down and we need to make sure everybody's safe to these are great people with guns because that's the other thing. I don't understand the guns at the protest. That's the part I don't get. I understand everything else. I understand, you know, freedoms, your right to protest. I get all that. But a gun on your shoulder only sends one message. And that message certainly isn't I want to go get a haircut. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and I say haircut to, to not to trivialize it, but I don't understand the guys. But the day that it went from, we need to get to maintain this so everybody can be safe. This is a very scary thing. To, oh, let's reopen. You're all overreacting. From the president was the day that oil went down to negative thirty-eight cents a barrel. That's all I'm saying. Draw your own conclusion. Do you know what I mean? And, uh, I, you know, I don't want to get all into COVID. That's not why we're here. But, you know, from a perspective of of that, I hear a lot of the arguments and I see them and, and they make sense. You and I talked before we came on the air about a huge issue, and that's the mental health impact of that. Yeah. How many people are following that? How many people understand it? How many people know how to cope with it? I would say none. You know, a very few. We've never had anything like this before. I'm, 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 I, and and anybody that's listening, you know, I'm on Facebook. My name's there. You're, I'm linked on the ads that you've seen on Avon's page. Go ahead. If you want, and you're, you're, you're struggling because you don't know what to do mental health wise. I'm not a therapist. I don't claim to be a therapist. You need a therapist, call a therapist. But if you just want some advice on how to get through the day, because I live like this. 
Every when they day. announced social distancing, I, I literally looked at it and went, okay, so that's what I do. I don't come out of my room a lot. I spend about half of my day out of my room. The rest of my day I'm in my room working on music or watching TV or drawing or painting or drinking a beer or whatever it is. I live like this. This is literally how I live because of my mental issues. And I can understand that someone who is a very, very social person who gets out there, who who can't now all of a sudden can't be a social person, can't live the life they're used to, and instead is sitting at home, and now all of a sudden all you've got is your own thoughts. It's your own shit in your own head. You've got all these things you've dealt with in your life that haven't affected you, but now you're home alone, and you don't have anybody to reach out to. What do you have to do? You have to think. And you sit around your house and you think, and you think, and you think, and everywhere you look is bad news. That's a recipe for disaster. That is a recipe for suicidal ideation right there. So what you do is you cut off the news, you cut off social media, and you listen to your music. Yeah, listen to my album. Buy it. It, It'll be available June 1st. And if you can't wait till June 1st, Cypher shit's all available too. I promise you. It'll it'll help you feel even worse about yourself. I don't write (laughs) cheery stuff. But anyway. (laughs) So with that thought in mind, can we play another song? Yeah, what do you got for us? Oh, it's called Truth About Sleep, ladies and gentlemen. This one is another oh, one. Is this one going to be on the new record, too? This is on the – everything you've got is on the new record. This is on the new okay. record coming out. This one here was uh, – I downloaded the beat um, because I'll explain all that. Uh, this this whole record was a social experiment to me. I wasn't actually intending on putting out a record right now, but um, something happened and I did. Um, but this so, song, literally, I put on the beat, I picked up a microphone and just talked through the entire song. So there was no writing, no preparation for this. Have fun. So let's listen to Truth About Sleep, and then we'll get into it. This is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my guest, Michael Lee, front man for the band Cypher, and he has gone solo. This is another song that will be coming out June 1st on his new record. Evening, boys and girls. How are we tonight? It's bedtime. Did you remember to check under the bed? Because that's not where the monsters live, is it? The real monsters don't live under the bed. Real monsters. <laughs> real monsters live in your own head. They're born out of all the things that go wrong in life that make you think that everything should just be so. You see... Deep inside all of us, there's this little need, this aggressive need to be validated by everybody around us, to make us feel like we're important, to make us feel like there's nothing in the world that can hurt us. But the one time it can hurt you is right there laying in your cozy little bed, snuggling your little teddy bear while the monsters chew your fucking toes off your feet. Makes it really, really, really easy sometimes, doesn't it? When 
someone tells you you're living the dream, remind them the nightmare of their dreams too, because at the end, that's the reality of the entire situation, is that inside your brain is nothing but this nightmarish hellscape of all of the trauma and things that you dealt with in your life. And you can't tell anybody about it, because if you tell anybody, you're fucking weak, right? Fuck the patriarchy, fuck that shit, you should always talk about your shit. I'm sorry, but this is fucking fuck that we live in a world that exists like this. The simple fact is that mental issues aren't to be talked about, but in the end, every one of us knows that we all have them. Is there such a thing as a typical brain? How boring would that be? I mean, fuck. Why would you ever want to see the world in black and white? I mean, let's face it, it's really simple. Everything that you've ever been, everything you've ever done, you are the sum total of your experiences and your choices in life. Whether you made good choices or bad choices, that's on you. But those things, they don't just go away. You live in your head, right? And everybody around you has to deal with them. The simple fact is, fuck, we're all fucking sad. Everybody's got their shit. Sometimes you gotta know when to band together, when to have a good time, when to just fucking cut loose. And that's what this is all about. But you don't have the right to drag other people down and hurt them or make them feel like they're less of a human being to make yourself feel better. So remember that when you're giving out shit, you gotta take some back because that's the way this life should work. Give and take, not just take. And unfortunately in this world today, everybody takes. Everybody takes, they take, and 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 there's no end to it. But at some point it has to end. And I see an end right here with us. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is called Truth About Sleep by Lewis Cipher, the front man for the band Cipher. His given name is Michael Lee. He can be found on Facebook under Michael Lee. And he is my guest tonight here on Off the Chain. I am your host, Yvonne Mason. And, Michael, where in the world did that song come from? (laughs) First off, by excessive need for more therapy, apparently. Um, (laughs) But really, um, so this whole project, so someone told me, that hip hop artists or rappers, um, when I when we record a cipher album, that's months and months and months of songwriting. Like just to get the music right, and then you got to get the lyrics, and then you got to record it all. Like it's months and months and months of shit. And I've always wondered, you know, how is it that I see these hip hop guys put out like you know a single every week? The fuck. Um, and someone let me in on the secret, and they said if you go on YouTube and you search "free for profit beats and youth," um, that there's beats on there that you can use that other producers have made um, to be able to create your music over. So I went and I found a bunch. I said, okay, I'm going to do a, you know, something to keep people entertained during COVID. I bought a bunch of energy drinks and I said, I'm going to stay up for 48 hours and I'm going to record an album in 48 hours from start to finish. um, And we'll put it out June 1st. And the album just, I know I jokingly said buy it earlier. The album is actually going to be free for anybody who wants to download it. Um, because why? This is It was written for a purpose. Uh, and that's for people to be entertained. But um, The Truth About Sleep was a song that um, I had that beat, and I really dug it. And I love the guitar work in it. Just love it. 
And all I could come up with was that Oz and humming in the middle. Um, and I couldn't, I kept trying to write lyrics for it and they weren't fitting. And I was getting near the end of my 48 hours and really wanted to finish this song. And so I put it on and I just started thinking about like, I'm tired. I'm really tired. What is it that I go through at bedtime? What is it that, that my brain makes me think about at bedtime? So I took all of those things and I just, there was no writing. It was literally a stream of consciousness. Um, I just got real mad and, and expressed it in words. Um, and uh, it, it has resoundingly been amongst the test people, one of the songs that they went, wow, this song really speaks to me because a lot of the shit you say is really true. And one of the parts in the song, um, I was talking about how, you know, people shouldn't talk about their feelings. And, and I mean, uh, I'm sure like a lot of the men listening to your show have been told, don't cry. Um, that's bullshit. Cry. Cry all you need to. Cry your damn eyes out. Everybody should cry. Good for you. Clean out your tear ducts. Not only that, expressing emotion is never bad. And I think that the real, the, the representation in that song of the monsters is literally the concept that we have been programmed all our lives to believe that men act this way, women act this way, this is men's work, this is women's work, all of it is bullshit. It's all bullshit. Like, do whatever the hell you want, but understand that all of those choices that you make in life, they add up to the person you are now. And you can't really blame anyone else for it. Yeah, other people do shitty things to you and and, and other people hurt you and, and make your life a little more difficult. But at the end of the day, when you sit down, I recently did a mental health exercise for myself and, and I realized that it wasn't other people. It was never other people. It's always been me. It's always been me and how I've let those people affect me. So the real monster, when I go to bed at night, lives in my own head. And that's where the truth about sleep came from. It just... Really, that self-realization and wanting to communicate in that way, in a way, and 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 it's actually when the album finally comes out that'll be the last song on the album. Because I think it's important that it does start right now. I think change needs to start right now. And uh, as people, the best thing we can change is within. We can't. We can make external changes, but if you make internal changes and change a little bit about yourself then you're going to change shit about the world too. Because the way you interact with every person will be different from there on it. I guarantee it. Trust me, it has been for me. It has been for me. And it's been, I have people that say to me all the time, Oh my God, I can't believe who I'm talking to. Like last time I was on your show, I was three sheets to the fucking wind, high and drunk, getting ready to go on stage for a show. You remember we live-streamed the show. We did. Um, it was amazing. We did, and uh, I, was, I was, was plastered. I was having a great time. But at the same time, when I went back and listened to that show, I didn't much like the guy that was talking on that show. And the only person that can change that is yourself. So that's where it comes from. I just, I, I, I've done a lot of soul-searching, like this whole album. Um, and in the album's the start of a five-album series. Um, this is the first one uh, called Homicide Enthusiast because I'm not a serial killer. I'm a homicide enthusiast. Big difference. Um, and uh, the next album, which will be out um, probably about a year later, 
um, is going to have a full band with it. I've, I've hired some musicians to play in the background and stuff. We're not going to do the same beat related music. Um, but it moves on and the whole thing is a giant fairy tale around this Lewis Cipher character. Um, so yeah, like this is the first one and then there'll be Malice in Wonderland. And then I've got other albums coming after that. Um, but it's really something that I'm diving into because I think it's important. I think that people need to know they're not alone and all these things we struggle with. You're not alone. We all struggle with the same shit. It just comes from different places. And once you realize that shit is shit, it makes it real easy, you know? And, and, like, I don't want to sound like, you know, Mary Poppins saying the world's a great place because it's not. The world's fucked. I know it. But at the same time, if we each change a little bit, that's another drop in the bucket. And we fill the bucket with good people. Then we dump that all over the world and we start filling the bucket again. You know, there, there's – my Angelou made a really, really good statement, and it's no better, do better. And that and is true. That's one of the that things, is very true. That's one of the things I've been for the last, I'd say, six months of my life living around on a regular basis. I've literally made it kind of my life's motto is, like an example, you know, the other day I got said, you know, the dishes that you hand wash, they're not really clean. They're still greasy. I have to rewash them. I just don't show you that because I'm a nice person, right? Uh-huh. So today I went to wash the dishes and I went downstairs after I did the dishes and I said, yeah, were they better? And they said, yep, you know, I only found one lid that was a little bit dirty. Other than that, everything was fine. No better, do better in, in a small scale. Conversely, I have made some comments over the years that I wish I could take back, but you can't take back once it's come out of your mouth. Sorry, the way it is. Once it's well, out I know there, those comments out were wrong. You know, I know those comments may have been wrong. Some of them, may, people may just think are wrong. But regardless, the ones that I know were wrong aren't comments I'll ever make again because I know better now. So now because I know better, I'll make an effort to do better. And that's what I hope people get out of all of it, you know, is that and, little bit of self-exploration. And, and you that's have a good heart, Michael. You, I've known you for four years, and, and you really have a good heart. You are yeah, a I keep it in a jar person. on my desk. And because I don't deal with people that aren't good people, I send them on down the road. You're going to ruin my you're, reputation. You're, you keep this up. <laughs> you're, you're, you're like me. You put on that tough exterior, but you really have a good heart. It's armor. Yeah, absolutely. Armor. That's what it is. It absolutely it, is. I don't like people as a general rule of thumb. Because a person is intelligent, people are stupid. I, I agree. I have, I I don't like them. So the when I get my angry face on and decide I'm going to go out and buy tobacco for my cigarettes, I got my angry face on. I'm all growly. I'm still the same nice guy underneath. But people that don't know me don't come and bother me. And that's that. why it's there. Lie. And that's that's what I mean when I say it's armory. It's a deflective field against people that you really don't want to talk to because the people that aren't going to try to get to know you because you look, <laughs> they're probably the people out there you don't want to know anyways. And I and know that sounds shitty. But that's, oh, exhausted. Because it's I'm an empath not uncommon. and I pick up on everything. Ugh. Sorry, so am I. They, I get they it. Make me, they make me tired. Shall we play your yep. last song that I have out here for you? Sure, what do you got? Welcome to my mind. Now, yes, 
this is the first single off the record. You've yet again nailed it. <laughs> um, and probably other than Haunted by the Tiny Things, which you played earlier, um, this is probably my favorite song I've ever written. Um, the interesting note on this song is I told you it was part of a five-song series. Um, uh-huh. I've already written the final song or five album series. I've already written the final song for the final album. And that's a song called Thank You, or, the, or sorry, Tour Is Over. And this is going to be the first song on this album. So wow. it opens up with a tour guide talking about, hey, so the song um, is, is literally an intro, is the introduction to the whole process. Um, the only reason this single isn't out, and I want to give a shout out to a homie. Um, the only reason this single isn't out is my homie Stewie from London, uh, who's an excellent rapper. If you get a chance to check out his stuff, it's shared all over my wall. He's all over Facebook. Um, he just released an album where he's in the process of releasing an album, but he just released the first single. We had not talked about this, but his first single is Welcome to My Mind. Wow. So I delayed the release of the single so that nobody's going, hey, you know, look at what Stewie and Mike did. Um, because this wasn't planned. Yeah, we've even got a song like, this is how bad it is. There's a song that him and I are working on together right now. Um, but we've never discussed our solo music. <laughs> so <laughs> and it's, a, it's a great mind. We happen to we happen to have this song that everybody's like everybody that's heard it's like, wow, the drop and that's crazy hard. And I'm like, yeah, and it's one of the few songs I actually get to do more of the cipher style lyrics in. Um because I think the one thing that's gonna shock people now that they've heard the show, I'm sure that the most common message I'm gonna get from people that haven't heard the record before is where's all the yelling? Um, because usually, as you know, having heard everything we've done, I tend to be a little more volatile than I am on this record. And, uh, this particular song was one where I got to let go a little bit. Um, there is no vocal crap on any of the voices in here. This is all natural. And, uh, the way it turned out, I'm super stoked about it. And I can't wait for you to play it. Really? Let's play it. Sounds good. Hello, tour starts over there, and don't forget to tie up your fucking hair, cause someone here might use it, as a hammer, and you might lose it. Hi, welcome to my mind, is this pussy like a high, don't know what you will find, everybody in your time, welcome to my mind. Don't get left behind, absolutely nothing shines in this hell that is my mind. No one knows what I hide inside the rotting, dead insides of my dark pit of a season's resting mind. Welcome to my mind. Welcome to this place, we call it inner space. There's no fucking place within my inner space. Don't get left in place, pretty soon we'll all be chased by the demons in this place. Welcome to the inner space. Welcome to my mind, it's a place I like to hide. It's where a dead inside is, somewhere you can't find. Everything is dead inside of my space, in my mind, in my face, it shines. Out of its romance, peace was black as gold. 
Processing on that, and the bridge and the end of it did have vocal processing. I apologize, didn't mean to lie to your fans. Anyways, that's quite all right. It's because sometimes I get scared being inside my own head, and when other people crawl in there, it really is a scary place. Yeah, and it's when you're a musician. I don't care what kind of music you do, whether you're, you know. Jamie Madrox from Twisted or James Hetfield from Metallica or Aaron Allen from London, Ontario. I I don't care who you are as a musician. Every time you make music, you're inviting people to look inside your head. Yes, you are. That's what it is because unless you're writing crap and just, you know, those songs that you hear now and then, we listen to Cypher's third record. There's a song on there called Check Your Ego. It's total crap that I wrote because we needed mm-hmm. another song. Um, but unless it's crap, you're trying to say something important, and that important lives in your head. And when I sat down to write that song, I heard the beat, and I went, oh, my God, this is it. And that song wrote itself. Like, I was sitting there typing. I don't even remember typing it out. Let's put it that way. That song wrote itself. Um. But at the end of it, it felt like it died. And I went, I need something. And, and I just had this visual of, like, you know, dad in the bathroom losing it in the mirror and his kid banging on the door going, come on, I have soccer practice, dad. <laughs> um, and, and the concept of, you know, we hide so much from the world. And uh, one of the common themes that if you can't tell through this album so far has been like a lot of self-exploration and, and, and basically spewing my own trauma out. Um, and with this particular song, um, I wanted to capture that feeling of chaos. And I think it worked very well. I think it went dark enough. Uh, that whole little Mary had a little lamb in the middle of it. The first time someone heard that after I was done recording it, they're like, okay, I'm creeped out now. What's wrong with you? And I'm like, perfect. You got the point. Because it really, at the end of the day, you can lie to yourself and say, hey, everything's cool. Or you can work on your shit. And that's what this is all about. And, uh, you know, I just, I I couldn't be happier with the way that. Now hearing that, now, of course, I'm listening through a phone speaker. I'm not listening on the computer or anything. 
but hearing again, hearing that song played by someone else and hearing someone else appreciate that and, and know that, you know, all your listeners are hearing it and they're going, wow, that was either, either, you either love it or you hate it. What I do, I've never made a secret of that with my music. Either love my music or hate it. I don't really care. Just make sure you feel something. One way or the other. That's what I'm I'm hoping. I just hope people feel something when they listen to this record. I I just, I felt something when I wrote it, tired mostly, but I, I felt a lot of things when I wrote it and I went on a real crazy emotional roller coaster. Um, and you know, the people that are closest to me that were in constant contact with me while I was writing this and, and, and I love them to pieces for it. Um, they would message me while I was working saying, are you okay? You're still awake. Do you need me to call you in half an hour? Do you need a nap? No, no, I'm still going. I'm strong. Um, and when I finished that particular song, it's the only one that I really dumped out to everybody and said, Hey, you're, you're, you're once chatting with me, listen to this. And they all came back with the same thing. <laughs> That's really, really kind of frightening. Um, and the other side of that is it's very heavily influenced by bands like insane clown posse. It's very heavily influenced by twisted, uh, Ouija Mac, darker half, a lot of, a lot of juggalo bands. Um, and my thought process behind that is I, I, I make music that appeals to those people um, because those are my people. That's my family, you know. Uh, once you're down with the clown, you're always down with the clown. Um, but it's also more palatable for people that don't live in that world because it's a weird introduction. And, and like, the biggest question I get about that is, what the hell is the start of it about? Well, we just covered that on the fifth album. The last song is about ending the tour. So you're spending five albums going on a tour through the Lewis Cipher character through his mind, which he shares a mind with me. I actually refer to him as he, not me, um, because there's a big, I, you, you haven't physically, well, you've seen pictures, I'm sure, but I, I like to do the whole face paint and different wear. And there's, I've been told by people, I, I've never witnessed it because I don't see how I walk. But I've been told there's a, even a change in the way I carry myself once I put the face paint on. So with that in mind, I decided for these albums, I'm going to treat him as his own person. And this is his story, not mine. You know? I think that's an excellent idea. I like that. Because what it does is it allows Lewis Cipher to come out and play. And breathe. And breathe. And breathe. Um, yes. One of the things, and before I say this, I want to point out, I love Jay, I love Sonny, the Daft, I, you know, I, I love Sheldon, who all been part of Cypher and are still part of Cypher. Um, they're great people. But when I write for Cypher, I have to temper what I'm writing because it's not just my voice. Right. It's all of the people in the band have to represent that piece of music. Um, what was liberating writing this is I'm writing in my voice. Um, I've had people ask me, why don't you write happy songs? I told you I had two more songs that you haven't heard yet um, that are going on the record. One of them is a 15-minute long acapella rap, which I'm a terrible rapper. I'm not a rapper. I don't claim to be a rapper. Don't ever call me a rapper because I'm not. Um, if some hip-hop guys like it, great. Good on you. Um, but it's a 58-second piece that has like 400 words in it because I went really fast but clear about why I don't write happy music because I don't know I'm not particularly good at it do you know what I mean and you um, write what you know because that's not you me. write what you're comfortable with and 
before you, before we even go any further, we are yeah. down to the last three minutes. Well, I think yes. one of the things we need we need to say to everybody is don't sit at home alone thinking you're alone. Exactly. We're out there, and I, I implore you, if you are one of these people that is sitting at home alone right now and not having anybody to talk to, please go to the ads that showed you where the show was. Click on my name, add me on Facebook, send me a Absolutely. message, and tell them where you. If music nobody else found. Listen, yeah, tell me where. You, tell me where you found them, too. Like, tell me how you found me. I'd love to know that you got it from the ad. The other thing is, I mean, and, and really, all I got left for people is I understand that this is a weird time, and we don't know what tomorrow is going to be, and we don't know if the economy is going to make it, and we don't know if people are going to make it, and we all have loved ones that are immunosuppressed, and we're all Understand this is the first time, the first time in the face of the earth that we're all facing the same enemy. And the enemy in this is a virus we can't see. So let's not make it harder by being shitty to each other. Let's be excellent to each other, and we can deal with this. And that's all I got about it. I mean, I just hope I love all the people that listen, and thank you for tuning in. But please, just be excellent to one another, Bill and Ted. And and you will come back, right? I, I will definitely be back. I always say whenever I release an album, I come back. What are you talking about? I just told you I was releasing five more. And, and ladies and gentlemen, I never, he sends me songs. He sends me a whole list of songs. I pick three or four, and he said tonight I'm four for four because every song that I pick as the starting song is the song that he would have asked me to pick. Every song you played tonight? is dead on the money to the ones I would have suggested. The only one that you shocked me with tonight was Truth About Sleep. But now that I think about it and the songs that you've always liked of ours in the past, makes perfect sense. And ladies Uh, and gentlemen, when these guys first started, I told them then that they would they would go somewhere and they would they would do something with this music and because of that statement they produced a second album and went they just exploded. So things We've happen been, on this. I will say this, and this is the kind of a little inside thing. I'm currently got a lawyer working on when these borders reopen, should they ever reopen, getting me back over the border. Um, and once that happens, I will be investing the money to a U.S. tour as well. So that's So, so I've got a lot of people to- bugging me to play in the States. So, and we want you to play you in the States. Because I'll yep. stand in line to come see you. Perfect. You won't have to. But anyway. So, <laughs> we don't ladies get and gentlemen, this is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my guest tonight, Michael Lee, also known as Lewis Cipher, the front man for the band Cipher. You can find their music as well as his music as a standalone. Join us on June the 1st at 8 o'clock when I will have Hearts of Fates here. And, and, and like like Michael said, be kind to each other because it is a tough time. And I'm not going to use the tired old, we're in this together, because we're not in this together. We're each on our own journey. But it doesn't mean that we cannot be kind and loving to each other. And you're always in my and prayers, Michael. You know that. I pray for you, you too, every and to everybody listening, stay safe so I can continue to annoy you for four more help. Absolutely. Oh, not That's all I ask. Problem. Stay safe so I can endure you for four more albums. <laughs> of course. 
So we are now off the air, um, but oh. everything we say will be in archives. But yes, of course I'm going to stay safe because I have to see the next four more albums so that we can go you eight do. for eight. You got to keep picking my singles for me. I can do that. I can do you that. You do a good and, job and I of have... it. I mean, do what? It's amazing. You do an amazing job of it. Last time it was uh, the cover of Hall of Illusion that we did. Yeah. That you were you played, and this time it was Haunted by the Tiny Things and Welcome to My Mind, which is great because I was gonna. I thought about it this morning, saying, "Hey, can you slide Welcome to My Mind in?" Because that's going to be the first single, and then I thought, "No, I'm just going to let it on Peckham. It's always worked, and it and worked it, again." It will, so yeah, I think we're course. great. Because we think we're of life. Awesome. We're a good yeah. team. And and awesome. the the hour the hour that we have together just it seems like we just picked up the phone and started talking. It it does. You said we had five minutes or three minutes left. I'm like, what the fuck? Because <laughs> it goes so fast and like it honestly, does. it's it's such a relief too because I do a lot of these radio things, and you and a, a woman named Kim Cooper. I don't know if you've ever heard of Kim. Kim is a big marijuana activist here in Canada are the only two people, literally the only two people that I message every time I have an album going, I'm going, hey, do you have time on your show? Like everybody else comes to me to do them, you know? I, I actively go seek you guys out because I get great feedback, and it's always a fun show. It's always fun. It's not like well, some of these radio is- things. Like I, I got asked once what the song Punch a Nazi was about. I'm not kidding. You didn't understand the song? No, they went, what's Punch a Nazi about? And I literally responded with, I don't know, punching Nazis? Like, it really wasn't that, you know, I didn't think it was that complicated a message. You know, and then when you actually listen to the song and realize it's a whole lot of sarcastic shit, because the line, <laughs> punch a Nazi in the face for peace, um, could be a little confusing. Um, but yeah, it's just so weird, and it's so weird, I'll tell you, now that we're off the air... You know, well, it's really gonna, nice what we're record. talking about is going to show when people listen to the archive show. Now you know they're going to hear what we're talking about. Oh, are they? So oh, even better. This. Awesome. Okay. So our archive people, hi, welcome back. Now you get the real dirt. The best thing about writing this record, I haven't had to wait on a fucking thing. When you're working with a band, and you're working with producers, and you're working with sound engineers and all that shit, you got to wait for everybody to do their job. And it fucking kills you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas in this, I write it. I let it. I got a. I got a group of three people that listen to it. Um, my lovely, lovely lady friend Leah, um, who's in South Carolina. You want to talk about suck? You want to talk about people that want this shit open? I would love this shit open. I'd love to see my kids and the girl that I'd like to be with. You know what I mean? Yep. Um. But I can't because the border's closed and it's been that way. Gets real lonely at night. Oh, I gotta snuggle a cat or something. Hi, Loki. <laughs> um, I got, I, I, I'm the crazy cat guy. I don't know if that's ever come out on your show, but I, I like own like. Well, I only have three right now, but I, I was at up to five cats at one point, um, and uh, I constantly have cats everywhere. I love cats. I used to hate cats. My kids convinced me cats were a good thing, and I love them now. They're the autistic person's best friend. Because they just sit there and purr and soft and all the great things that keep autism down. Um, and and they, yeah, they're very like, independent. Yeah, I also have one though that I want to go get a service animal vest for, because he's my mental health service cat. He literally and and people don't believe me until they see it. 
when I'm having a mental health day, when I'm having a day that shit, everything's gone wrong, shit has gotten as bad as humanly possible, and I'm falling apart, and I'm ready to just fucking lose it, right? This cat will literally sit between me and anybody else in the room, staring at the other person in the room. If they get up, the cat gets up and stands in front of me. He's like, protecting you. Yeah, but from everything. If I have a night terror, like right now, um, the cats will sleep downstairs with the roommate or they'll sleep out in the other room or whatever. But if I have a night terror and start yelling in the night because of PTSD, right, it's a real thing. Um, it's not just a collection of letters. Um, but if you, uh, when I have my night terrors, which get pretty violent, I'll wake up the next morning with three cats literally laying on my body because they realize hey, wait a minute, dad's not okay, we need to help. It's amazing shit. This is the part where people listen to your, your show in the archives and go, that dude is fucking weird. That's okay. I don't okay. think so. Because it's if, all right. if, if people will, will listen to animals, they're very hypersensitive to our psychic. I'll be honest with you, when a person dies, I'm upset for a couple of days. When an animal dies... I'm upset forever. Uh-huh. I listen more than I like animals more than I like people. Straight I'm, up. I'm pretty much that way too. Most most people I don't want to be bothered with. They they make By me the way, tired. I, I saw, they do. But I also saw that you had some really good news with one of your books. That's great. I did. I did. I, they they sought me out. I I was minding my own business and this email pops up on one of my pages and he introduced himself and told me what he wanted and I went, who are you and where did you come from? Because I I trust nothing and question everything, right? Well, I did my due diligence and the contract went out this morning, so we'll see. Fucking fabulous. Fucking fabulous. It's so nice to see things coming together for you. I think the, the thing that hurt my heart the most was after Jack passed was seeing that you weren't doing your shows. It hurt my heart because I know how important that is to you and you love reaching people. I and do. I'm so I love, happy to see that going on again. Well, I love seeing other people succeed. And well, I love giving you know, people the chance to succeed. I think success is an interesting concept because I still do not think I have. And regardless of what the numbers on Bandcamp show me, regardless of what the people that are at the shows show me, you know, we still have shows. I'll admit it. Cypher still has shows where, you know, we have five people there. Whatever. Who cares? Those five people are getting the same show as 500 people if they showed up. But at the same time, People can tell you, hey, you're successful, you're successful, you guys are making it, you're blowing up. And uh, when we put out Punch a Nazi, it went huge over in Australia and all over the place. We were blowing up, but we didn't see it. We didn't change. Nothing changed for us. The process stayed the same. And I think people think that when you get into music and you get into being an entertainer and you start doing all this crazy shit, because what's to complain about the hours, right? When I'm actually working, like what, today I put in an hour and a half or an hour or whatever we talk for on your show? Uh-huh. That, that's been my work day. That's my work day, an hour and a half. And in the short period of time, 
that we've been on here, I've had my Threadless site up on my computer, which is where I, you can buy all your Lewis Cipher branded merch. Um, you know, the uh, new album cover, and there's a, a cover of the Welcome to My Mind single. Uh, I know people that have bought full, like, Afghan blankets that they curl up in my face at night. Good on them. It's kind of weird and creepy, but it's all good. Um, but, you know, I've been watching my Threadless site, and we had three shirts sell while we were here. That, to me, is a success because people went, hey, I'm going to support this dude. He's weird, but I'll support him. What kills me right now, what kills me is the number of people that are standing on a little soapbox saying, artists are starving because of this virus, because you can't put on shows. I'll tell you, and I don't know about America. I don't know what America's done. I can't tell you because I haven't paid attention to their response to the art community. But just about every country in the world has programs in place where artists can receive money for making art right now. Because every country in the world understands that entertainment is so key to people right now. That's it's how you maintain important. sanity. Well, I have found is. some amazing artists. And here, for the people that go through your archives, i got a challenge for you. Here we go, real quick. If you're listening to this in the archives, look up a singer named Tom McDonald. Listen to his catalog of work. You're probably going to get offended. But I want you to listen to his catalog of work, and I want you to tell me why you were offended. Because I can't decide if I love Tom McDonald or I hate Tom McDonald. (laughs) Because some songs he's got a great message, and other songs his message comes across as shitty, But then you listen to it three or four times and you go, wait a minute, that's not a shitty thing. He's saying exactly the opposite of the shitty thing and he makes it look like he's saying. He's very brilliant with his lyrics. But I like to hear people's opinions of bands like that. I mean, being an ICP fan. So there you go. Anybody in the archives, go listen to Tom and message me. We'll have a discussion about it because I tell you right now, you're going to be offended. I was offended and I get offended by nothing. But I've been offended by some of this stuff. But then when I go back and listen to it a third or a fourth time, I go, wait a minute. Trying to get it. I sort of see where he's coming from, you know? And I want to be that artist for people. I want people to listen to it and go, wow, it's fuck. You know? Um, Welcome to my mind, the, the whole Mary Had a Little Lamb. People talked to me and said, take it out, take it out, take it out. No, it stays. I love it. And... People thought that it would be offensive taking a children's. The, the secret but to these the, five albums, and I. But the thing they're is, they're all nursery it, rhymes written from my perspective. Exactly, and and erotica authors and romance authors do that all the time. They take nursery rhymes mm-hmm. and they take children's fairy tales and they rework them. So, good for you for leaving it in there. I think that it'll be fun. I'm waiting. My my thing is I'm waiting for people to really see the new stage show. When I take this solo album out to tour it, um, it's being entirely built out of a garbage dump. I'm not buying a single brand new thing for that stage. Not one thing. Everything from the lighting. Uh, well, okay, I might buy some light bulbs. But everything else is going to be free cycled or built out of a dump. Like, that's just the way it is. And uh, when I put it to Welcome to My Mind. 
Well, yeah, and it's, you know, when I put out the Welcome to My Mind video, people are going to get to see the new look of the Lewis Cipher character, and I'm going to get some weird reactions to this one, and that's okay. I got a lot of weird reactions this year. Um, earlier this year, I asked them. If you didn't. Well, I mean, I did accidentally come out as bisexual earlier this year online. Notice I said accidentally. You didn't plan You know, some it? people come out on. I did not plan on coming out. As a matter of fact, that was never a plan. Because in the industrial community, being queer is the same as, that, that's career suicide, right? Because you're dealing with, you know, all these macho guys that sing with power tools and blah, 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 blah. Being queer is, that, that's horrible. You can't do that. And uh, I did one of those, what was your first impression of me things? You know, I type your name and I'll give you my first impression of you. Uh-huh. And one guy typed back and, and uh, said, you know, I can take it. And I said, are you sure? And they said, yep. And I literally typed back, the first time I ever saw you, I wanted to take you to bed. You were that hot. And everybody went, wait a minute. And I'm like, what? That's what I thought. I was being honest. <laughs> and yes, you answered. Like, you know, people started questioning me. And I said, why are you questioning me? It's my sexuality. Why do you even care? You've known me. I, I literally had Sonny, who's the guitar player from Cypher, who has been out for a long, long time. Um, but Sonny has known, I've known Sonny. I used to change his diapers. I think I told you that story before. Uh-huh. When he was a baby, and Sonny didn't know. Sonny messaged me and said, what the fuck? <laughs> Are you just trying to get people riled up again? No, 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 that's real. And that's, you know... It's so weird to me that we live in a world, now that it's happened and now that I'm much, much more open about myself with people, we live in a world where I was ashamed of that for 40-some-odd years. That's not okay. You know, it's don't be ashamed of who you are. You know, you may agree with it or not. I mean, there are people that say, you know, in the Bible it says it's wrong. I said yes, but in the Bible it also says you can't wear two different fabrics at the same time. You know what I mean? Where do we, I don't know, I'm just, I'm caught in this weird place in my life. I question everything right now, Lon, and it, it's so weird and bizarre. And, and questioning things is, is okay, and, and my thought process is this. One of my very, very, very best friends is gay. I love him with all of my heart. What your sexual preference is, I don't care. I love you for who you are. That is a kind man with a tough exterior. Yep. Isn't it weird and I a will, good person for that? Well, and I will fight anyone that tries to take that away or discount it or put you down for it. I, I won't tolerate it. You you will see I mean, ugly live. come out if 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 I catch anybody disrespecting you or dissing you because of your sexuality, it can oh. I can make it go south real quick. See, I've you got know a, me. I've got a song that you didn't. You no, know, I know you can, but I've got to see. I've got a song that I didn't send to you because I'm still torn as to whether or not it's going to go on the album. Um, and it's so if you listen to juggalo music, the, the two keys to juggalo music are excessive violence and excessive sex. Uh-huh. 
pretty much, you know, if you listen to Insane Clown Posse, you either got violence or sex or God. Those are the three things you get. Um, and this album is no different. I mean, there's a song in reference to the church. There's a, you know, but the one thing that you don't hear is the excessive sexuality. Well, there is a song like that. And it's all about, um, you know, one, the song's literally called Have Fun Masturbating. Um, and the song is literally, from the, the first part of it is a description of a man and a woman having an encounter. And then it, there's a bridge, and during the bridge it talks about how, you know, well, that's how this song would have sounded if this was 20 years ago, and I was being a sexist pig writing it. But here's how it sounds today, because there's a lot of people like me that were afraid to come out of the club. And then it goes on to describe a man and a man having an encounter. The reason you don't have that song is I am not sure it's going to make this particular record. Um, it may go on the next record because it fits better with the Malice in Wonderland storyline. But, I mean, it's just people are going to diss everybody. People are going to jump on everybody for whatever reason they can. Oh, you're different. Wah, 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 whatever. You know, I'll go on record right now. Now, I'm not a huge, huge Donald Trump supporter. I think I've established that. But he has a right to do what he's doing because he's the lawfully elected president of the United States, so shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? You're absolutely right. You are absolutely right. We have a democratic system in place for a reason, whether you're here or there. And when I say we... A lot of people bug me a lot, and a lot of people wonder why I talk so much about American politics and not a lot about Canadian politics. First off, our politics isn't a fucking inhuman cesspool, um, and our electoral system is much, much simpler than yours. Um, secondly, I lived in the States for 14 years, and my kids still live there. Of course I'm impor- I, I find American politics important. And uh, one of the things that I found interesting was after Trump got elected, the most common question was, how the hell did he win? Because I literally am on record, I believe on your show almost. Yeah, I think it was. It was either your show or Kim's show, one of the shows. Um, one radio show's on. I'm on record as saying, you could run a dead donkey and beat Donald Trump. Like, that's how sure I was he was going to lose. And then he won. How the fuck did he win? Well, it's easy. Uh, Donald Trump won because of the state of Michigan. If you look at the state of Michigan, Donald Trump won the state of Michigan by 14,586 votes. In the state of Michigan, there were 15,233 votes for a dead gorilla. All I'm going to say. <laughs> that see, should tell you something. It's the dead the, donkey uh, wouldn't have won. It's not the popular vote. That, it's the electoral votes that, that win it, that, that determine it. Yes, yeah. you have the popular vote, but it's the electoral votes. That, that determine it because if we didn't have the electoral college, nobody else in the country would have to vote, vote but California and New York. Right. Well, that's the problem, right? Is that There's no perfect at its very core, and no, I am not anti-democracy before anybody hears this and tries to go off and say that I'm a communist or some other weird shit. I believe in government by realpolitik, which is government by logic and reason for anybody listening. But the reality of the situation is there's no perfect democratic system because democracy in itself is flawed. It's flawed by the fact that people are voting in a popularity contest at that point. By giving the Electoral College in the states, you take away the popularity contest. And it becomes less about – 
Now, the popular vote still matters because if those people in the Electoral College want to keep their jobs, you might not want to vote against your people all the time. Um, Conversely, here in Canada, you don't vote for the prime minister. You vote for your local representative, and whoever wins the most seats in parliament is the prime minister. Okay, then. That works really well, too, doesn't it? (laughs) But see, we also have a five-party system, whereas you have a two-party system. Well, that's true. We've got five key We've got five key parties in Canada. You've got the Liberals, the Conservatives, the New Democrats, the Bloc de Quebecois, which we don't talk about, and then the Green Party. Um, then we have other stupid little parties that pop up here and there and nobody cares about. But all of those people coming together create your majority or minority government. Whereas in America, you don't have a minority government. That's never an issue. No. You get split houses – like, I believe it was when Obama was president, the House was Republican, and the Senate was Democrat or something? Well, at one really point... Really hard to get fuck all done. Well, and, and um, at one point, I think his first term, the House and the the Senate were Democrat. They carried Democrat. both of them. Yep. And then his second yep. term, the House was split with the, with the um, Senate... And, of course, they get along like oil and water, so nobody got anything done. Right. Well, and that's the problem with any political system is that nothing ever gets fucking accomplished. I'm really impressed right now. And, I I mean, again, I'm sorry I got to say it. I'm really, really impressed with the way that Justin Trudeau and the Canadian prime minister or premiers have handled the COVID thing. Well thought out. Canada is now slowly reopening. I don't even feel nervous about Canada reopening. And you know I'm, I, I, I like, am violently against opposed random reopenings. Yeah. I'll argue it with you, and I never argue with you. I know, but it and was, it, we both probably needed to get, it, to get our frustrations out. Get and you and I can do it and still be friends. Right, but all I'm saying is, and, and this is my only thing, and I say this to anybody that will listen to me. I don't really care if you reopen. You want to reopen. You want to save an economy that was, quote, unquote, booming but fell apart in two months. Wasn't booming, folks. Um, I'll tell you right now, if you listen to any economist, any economist on the planet, a booming economy should be able to sustain itself for a year. Minimum. Two months, that's not a booming economy. That's a train wreck. That was going to happen regardless of COVID. Something was broken. When all it takes is that Vladimir Putin releases a bunch of oil to floor the economy, that's a problem. But anyways, regardless of any of that, I just want people to be safe. Like, I don't care. You want to go out? You want to get a haircut? You want to go to a strip club? You want to get a tattoo? Trust me, I'd go for a tattoo shop right now. I've wanted ink. Here's how bad it is, Yvonne. I bought my roommate a tattoo gun for his birthday. So we can learn how to tattoo so I can get tattoos. I told him, too, when I bought it, I said, dude, I got your birthday present, and here's the deal. It's as much a present for me as it is you. And now that he's seen it, he understands what I mean. Yeah, it's just, it's crazy, man. Just, we're living in this fucked up world. And I hope, I hope, I wrote a song, and I, I didn't, I haven't put it on this album. I don't know, I, I've got another band, I've got two other bands that have actually asked me to sing for them right now, and I'm going to entertain at least one of them. Um, just because I like to keep busy, right? Um, uh-huh. But there's one band, and I wrote a song about COVID um, and about the whole staying at home shit. 
and I haven't recorded it yet, but one of the lines in it is, I don't give a fuck what you do. Don't just kill, just don't kill someone doing it. And that's it. That's, that's my whole message. Don't kill another person unintentionally. Please, and, and, for the love of God. And, Michael, that can be said of anything. You get in your car and you drive down the street, do it responsibly. Well, yeah, and that's and all I'm saying. See, and that's what I've been saying all along. Flying, if you could see the people flying up and down the street in front of my house, they use it like a quarter-mile straightaway. The speed limit's 35. I have motorcycles that start down at the red light seven streets down from me. By the time they get to my house, they've already shifted into third gear, and they're doing 100 miles an hour. Isn't that insane? I just... I think that you can say, and, and I think the problem and the difference that I, how I see it is we know the dangers when we drive a car, right? That's you know, you hit thing. someone or, well, what, okay, let me rephrase this. Anybody that isn't injecting disinfectant into their system should know the dangers of driving a car. You know, you make sure your brakes work, you make sure your tires are good, you make sure the did the, you got your oil changed? Go out with a safe vehicle. You know what I mean. And you don't drink before you drive. You don't smoke a joint while you're driving. You don't do all those stupid shit. Oh yeah, I forgot. It's not legal everywhere down there. Oh, I'm um, I'll tell you a funny story. Is the first show after weed became legal. I had gotten known for throwing joints out in the crowd. Like, I'll roll a bunch of joints, throw them in my pocket, and I'll throw them out in the crowd. So, the first show it became legal, I showed up at the bar, and there was a lineup of people around the corner. And we couldn't figure out why they were all there. Because there was a bunch of people that had openly, like, dissed our music and shit. <laughs> and uh, the girl I was dating at the time comes up to me afterwards, going, do you have a pocket full of joints? I said, yeah, why? She goes, because they're all here for that. So I, I didn't do it until the end of the show, so they all had to stay for the whole set. Um, but yeah, like just crazy, crazy world, man. And, and like the difference is, is that when you get in the car and you've been drinking, you know damn well that you're taking risk with everybody else's life. And if you get caught, you go to jail. That's the punishment for being a dumbass while you're driving. There are laws against the dangerous shit while driving, like those motorcycles you were talking about. If a police officer was there and saw a motorcycle doing 100 mile an hour down a, a, a 35 street, I would hope that that police officer is smart enough to pull that motorcycle over. I would hope. Maybe. Firm it, but I would hope. At the same time, there's a law in place. No law in place for someone that goes out and gets five people sick from COVID. Could there be? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe there should be a law that says, six feet away from someone or wear a mask. I'm not saying and or. Do you know what I mean? No, masks aren't perfect. We know that. Science has told us that. I don't know. I don't know the right answer and I wish I did. Well see but I go what back I want to do to, is just let the scientists do their jobs. I go well I don't trust scientists or the medical fields, you know that. But anyway, I go back to the seventies when the AIDS scare was running rampant like a wildfire through society. Nobody wanted to get blood transfusions. Nobody wanted to sit on toilets. Nobody wanted to do this. Nobody wanted to do that. You could be a carrier 
and not even know it, and it didn't have to be from having sex. It could have been from a blood transfusion that you got mm-hmm. several little, years earlier. Yeah, but see, the problem was you had bigotry that came into play there. The difference between this and AIDS, and I say the difference because I've yet to find an actual conclusive proof point that the, the treatment of COVID is motivated by race. Some people claim it is. I haven't ever seen it, so I'm not going to go on record and say that no. it isn't. This I don't thing think it is. The virus, it indiscriminately kills. It doesn't really care what color your skin is. Um, nor does it color, point to, nor does it matter the sex. It it just, yeah. if you're compromised, it, 99% you may get it. Yeah, if you get caught, if you get it, and you're not careful, you're fucked. Um, but that being said, um, when AIDS happened, and, and we all remember the joke, you know, how did AIDS, well, I don't know, if you, maybe you didn't hear it down there, but there was an old joke, how did AIDS get to Canada up the Hudson? Because the first person that was diagnosed and publicly came out with AIDS was Rock Hudson, right? Uh-huh. And, but because Rock Hudson also was one of the very, very few Hollywood actors who was gay, right? Well, not one of the few, but one of the few that admitted it. You got to remember, AIDS was never a straight disease. It was always a gay disease. Right. In the 70s, people people originally thought, oh, you have to be gay to catch AIDS. This is as a result of having anal sex and doing all these other things. Well, that was all bullshit. Not the gay disease. We all know that now. But look where we are now with AIDS as opposed to where we were in the 70s. And you've got an excellent comparison because I think AIDS and COVID is a wonderful comparison. Because the simple fact is we let people do their job. We let people learn about this disease. We let people, did we ever find a cure? No, but do we live in constant fear of it anymore? No, because we understand it now. And I think that's the piece that's missing with this COVID thing. Nobody understands it. We don't even know where the fuck it came from. The best guess we we got is people ate bats in China. And we always fear that which we don't understand. We fear the things that we don't get. It's true. It's true. It's it's so true. And, you know, your reaction in, in the discussions we've had online is a valid reaction. I've never once said to you you are invalid. I've said I disagree with you. But I'll never tell you you're invalid because your reaction isn't invalid. It is a perfectly valid reaction. It may come out that I'm the most overreacting son of a bitch on the planet, and I may have to tell everybody I'm sorry that science has now proven to only catch COVID on a Tuesday when the sun's <laughs> out, and I'm fucking sorry. Or I may turn around and go, fucking told you so. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter because we don't know enough yet to make an accurate judgment. What we do know, and the only thing we do know, is that nobody knows anything. But they all talk like they're experts in it. Exactly. I don't and, understand. And, and the thing that the thing my friend and I have talked about is it's not so much the virus that will kill people; it's the fear that will kill people. That's true. You're going to have there, there's certain things that unfortunately we can't stop. For example, during the hardcore isolation when this all first started back in February, how many people were trapped at home with an abusive husband? Exactly. Or wife. It goes exactly. either way. I've been the victim of female abuse. Um, but 
you know, it's, how it's do we deal with that? Well, it's the, it's the unintended consequences of the decisions that were made. Alcoholism rose, drug abuse rose, domestic abuse rose, child abuse rose, suicides rose, and now... Well, now, the biggest thing people, I see with that is that those things all went up, but a lot of those things have since leveled out because people are finding ways to deal with it. Um, I don't know. Are you familiar with the hand soap movement? No. Have you have you seen this one? You might have saw it on my wall at one point. Um, so if someone is living with an abusive spouse. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Message my ass and tell me you want my recipe for hand soap. Yep. And I will call the police in your city for you. No problem. It's like the, the call-in, the, the pizza place. Yep. And saying they want a pepperoni pizza, but then for everyone that does that, there's there's ten more out there that don't. And and I know that you and I have talked. I am a survivor of domestic abuse. It's horrible. And, and it, I came out on the other end. A lot of people never do. And it's, that's. I'll I'll tell you the God's honest truth, Yvonne. I almost didn't. Sarah saved I know, my life. and I was really worried about you. I was, I was gone. I'll tell you the truth, and, and and this is on your archives. So this is, you know, anybody can go and play it back. I didn't come to New Brunswick to start my life over. When I came to New Brunswick, I came to end it. And I'm glad you didn't. I came here, but when I got here, I found isolation. And I found the ability and some very, very good friends who have been through similar things. And I found the ability to construct a proper safety plan. I found the ability to give a shit again. I found the ability to, and I realized that the biggest problem was I had no self-worth anymore. I, I just, I, I didn't feel I was worth anything anymore. And I was a survivor. You know how that is. Oh, yes, I do. And it took a long time to get that back. And yeah, it does. There, you, there, you have so much self worth, and and I know that my saying is I'm learning that, but I'm learning it. I'm learning how to set boundaries. I'm learning how to express my disconsent with the universe at large in a way that is healthy. And. I'm willing. I'm. I've learned that other people's opinions don't affect my life. Now, to these poor people who are sitting at home now, who have never dealt with mental issues, because when we come out of this and everything reopens, the people that are going to be making the most money are going to be the psychiatrists. Exactly. Because I'm telling you right now, people are learning shit about. Yeah. Well, the morticians. I. It's sad. There's truckloads of corpses sitting outside of mortuaries rotting because they don't have time to process them. That's how serious this is. But I will acquiesce to the fact that if done responsibly and if people are responsible, reopening is not a terrible idea if people are being responsible. And unfortunately, that's not what I'm seeing. But I hold on to hope that people are going to get it. Do you know what I mean? Because without hope, we ain't got fuck all. That is and because I've watched. I mean, I'm like I said. I, you know, my lady friends in South Carolina. I spend a great deal of time listening to how things are going in South Carolina, and 
unfortunately, people are being responsible. Do you know what I mean? And I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't understand what is so difficult of stay six six feet away from the person in front of you. That's all you got to do. Why can't people follow the arrows on the floor in the grocery store? Uh, I love it. I don't don't take, well, I don't take direction well. I barely take instructions or suggestions. So when I see an arrow, it just pisses me off. Because yeah, if I, I miss something, if I miss something down an aisle, I gotta go down three more aisles and work my way back. I don't have time for that shit. My time is valuable too. There is a grocery store here that I shop at, and when you go in, you walk right into the produce section, right? So you got to get all your produce because there's no arrow that goes back to the produce section. You got to get all your produce in one swoop, or go out of the store, come around, come back in. We're pain in the ass, right? But it's funny because that's the one store I see people obeying everything at. The one not store me, I'm I most would, comfortable in. I would not go to that store, but one time, and I would not go again. And I think that there are ways, actually scientifically there are ways that we can sustain ourselves without reliance on big box retail. Oh, I agree. And that I agree one wholeheartedly. Of the, one of the things that I posted on my wall and it got a whole bunch of flack was a picture of two yards and one was grass and the other one was a garden. And one said, this is how you rely on big box. This is how you rely on yourself. Now, that was a metaphorical statement. Everybody took it to be a literal statement, and I heard about everybody's bad back. In reality, like I said to you, we're, like here at home, we're about 100% local supplied now. Literally, the only thing that we buy that isn't supplied locally is coffee because, well, we're not in Colombia. Uh-huh. But we buy, locally, we buy locally roasted beans and things like that, right? Right. But coffee, tobacco, and medication. Those are the only things that aren't locally supplied. And medication-wise, there's more plant medicine downstairs than I know what to do with. And I'm not talking about weed. That's all sitting right beside me. Right. Well, not all of it because my roommate has theirs. But, you know, there's ways. Like, we're growing, I think, 11 different types of vegetables outside. If you talk to your neighbor and say, hey, we're growing these 11, why don't you grow these 11 and we'll swap? You now become locally sourced. My grandmother did it for years. I did it for years. I, I grew my, my, all three of my children that I had by birth. They know how mm-hmm. to survive because they were all raised working in the garden. How many of us like? How many people don't know that? Like that's what scared me when this started. How many like? Okay, I, I I'm I'll admit it. I got lazy. I got lazy. I started eating fast food all the time. I started because when you're on the road with music, man, you don't have time to fucking stop and cook. Right. I got lazy. You know, every weekend we're playing shows during the week. I'm working. I'm tired, man. I don't want to cook. You know, fuck it. I'm going to order a pizza. But how many people, that's their life. That is their way of life. I know a young lady who cannot make a grilled cheese sandwich. Anybody I think that's the easiest possible thing you can make in a kitchen, isn't it? Really? Oh, sorry. You, 
like even a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I had to walk them through the steps of how to make it. Oh my word, that that's a face plant. It, it, it's a, it, but that's if you if you if you look at what's going on, the minute they did the isolation thing, okay, yeah, there was a lot of things people couldn't do. Like you know, I, I joke around about haircuts a lot, but let's face it, your image is a big part of your mental health. Yes, it is. I'll tell you, I have felt I have felt better about myself since I dyed my hair purple. And my roommate gave me a really, you know, kind of hip haircut. Dyed my hair purple, left a little bit of the silver fox in there because I, I personally like my gray hair. But image-wise, I felt great. And because I felt great and I looked great, I could put that album together. You know what I mean? Image is a huge part of your mental health. But it stunned me when people started losing about getting haircuts because I started thinking to myself, like, my mom cut my hair the whole time I was a kid. My mom taught me how to cut my hair. You know what I mean? Like, have we become so reliant on consumption that if you close the barbershop, everybody loses their fucking mind? Shoppers Drug Mart's open, and I promise you can get the same hair dye there. You know? Like, I don't get it. I just don't, I don't understand it. And like I said earlier, I don't get the guns. Why do we have to have guns at every fucking parade? Why, why do we need guns? Guns kill things. That's the only function of a gun. No, people kill things. Guns can't pull the trigger by itself. Well, okay, people with guns kill things. How about that? There you go. We'll split the difference. There you go. But there's no need for to march into a state capitol with a semi-automatic rifle on your shoulder. Well, no need. It's terror. It's either that That's or throat puncher. I mean, it, it, the woman it, it, not defending them because I agree with you on that level. But sometimes it's like knocking a jackass in the head with a two by four to get their attention because the state legislature in Michigan had already overruled her lockdown and said you've gone past the uh, legal limit of day, so what does she do? She doubles down well, and extends and, it even further. Yeah, and unfortunately, that's why we put people in office to make those decisions. Now, my problem with that, and, and not with anything to do with the state legislature, going back to the gun issue, now you got people open-carrying guns everywhere. I've literally read five different cases so far where people have been killed for nothing more than saying, I'm sorry, you can't come into the show store not wearing a mask. People are angry, Michael. And people are, and it, it's, people are angry, people are frightened, and people are fearful that they're rights, their inalienable rights under our Constitution is being stripped away. And yeah, when that happens, bad things, nobody thought this thing through. They all had a knee-jerk well, see, reaction. And whenever, when a, there was a, right, a knee-jerk reaction, there are consequences. There are three rights, three, that are the very core value of all American culture, right? Like, you got all those rights in the Constitution. There's right over, right over, right over, right over, right. And I know they're all there. But when you talk about America, what is the three rights? The pursuit of life, liberty, or life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
I rest not my case. what it's supposed to be. I rest my and, case because their liberties, their liberties were 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 put on lockdown. They were not mm-hmm. at liberty to move about in a way that they should have been. Their pursuit of but, happiness was put on lockdown because they weren't allowed to go to the barber. They weren't allowed to go into a store without a mask. They weren't allowed to make their own decisions. Okay, but on the other hand, those are in order. Life, liberty, the pursuit and their of life was And their life was, was taken away from them because their jobs, and I'm not talking about the people that are that are paid to work at home. I'm talking about manual labor people like the the mechanics and the barbers and the hairdressers and the tattoo artists, irregardless of whether or not they're necessary the jobs, I get it. their livelihood was taken away from them. Down here, we have people that still have not gotten their unemployment for two and a half months. And if you're well, a contractor down here... If you're if you're a contractor or you're in business for yourself, you don't qualify. So the hairdressers and, you, and the, the the tattoo artists and the, the the mechanics that have their own business that lost all their income, they're screwed. Yeah, but that's not a flaw of this. That's not a flaw of not thinking through. That's a flaw of a government that cares more about money. Than I money. understand that, but their livelihood was taken from them. They can't feed but their families. The they hand, can't though, pay their bills. Okay, and I appreciate all of that. But here's my point, and and and, and I'm going to be raw about it. I understand that there was a lady li- or a gentleman shot dead for telling someone that they had to wear a mask. Shot dead for asking someone to put on a mask to enter his place of business. Get seven kids. Uh, and, what if they just that, taken away not, from that gentleman's family? And and I am not saying that was right. I am not defending them. My problem uh, because is that was, that was the wrong. Right, because the right to life, if you take it as the right to a livelihood, then everything you're saying is actually 100% accurate and it's completely flawed. On the other side of that coin, the right to breathe air, the simple right to life, we define a living person as someone whose brain is functional and heart is functional, right? That's the definition of a living person. They have that right to be alive, whether they're an old person in a nursing home. And all I'm saying, all I am saying is if you think you've been exposed, stay the fuck home, get a test. Oh, wait, I'm sorry, you're in America. It's not that easy. Um, And see, that's the problem. If you look at my perspective is a little skewed because here in Canada, if you worked in any field, self-employed, if you worked at all, you qualify for what we call the CERB, the COVID Emergency Relief Benefit, which is $2,000 a month, which to some people, they wouldn't be able to live the lifestyle they're used to, but they'd at least be able to maintain a life. You know, on $24,000 a year, which most people are expected to live on much less than that, on a regular basis. And here's how, here's how the Canadian government handled it. We're going to ask everybody when you apply to be honest, we're not reviewing applicants. They were very open about it. We're not going to review applications. We're just approving. 
we will go back and review applications when all of this is over. If we suspect that someone has been dishonest. And everybody in Canada qualified for $2,000. That's the difference in government. You see where I'm coming from? and And that doesn't happen here. In fact... In in the state nope. of Florida, the the system crashed. People could not even get into the system either online or through phone calls. Now, in my home it's, state of Georgia, my granddaughter works for a company, and she makes good money when she works full time. They they what they did is they work them one day a week. And their HR department set them up on unemployment, and it took forever for her to get hers. But once she started getting it, they sent her everything they owed her. But here in Florida, there are thousands of people, and you talk about right to life. If you can't feed your family, as an adult, an adult will do without food, but an adult a parent is not going to let that child do without food. They will do whatever is necessary to make sure that child eats. I, I don't disagree with that. I think that they should, but I think that whatever is necessary is get a shovel. You know, if you're going to do whatever is necessary, get a shovel, buy some plants. Garden centers have been open. I, I'm, I'm not trying to be a dick. No, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be a dick because, and I'll tell you from, and, and here's here's one that, a lot of people forget um, is those people in the medical field that are exposed to this virus day in and day out and their families. I have a friend right now who I do a Saturday night, every Saturday night I do a, like a social gathering uh-huh. um, where we get on Twitch and we all like FaceTime with each other. There's about 40 of us that get on there and we have a big conversation and we talk positive and we we tell stories and we have silly little themes. Some of them are like funny hat night. You know what I mean? Uh, one night we did wear your makeup and dress up. I missed that one, which was a shame because I was going to do the full Lewis Cipher makeup. Um, and had cocktails together and things like that. But one of the people on that is on a COVID contract in New Jersey. Um, so they've been paid by the state of New Jersey to be there as a nurse. And a week ago, we sat there and listened to this person tell us how they probably had about a week to live because they had COVID. It was extreme and they probably weren't going to make it. And three days ago, that came true. And this is a person whose only crime was helping other people. You know what I mean? Their right to life was there and I get it. And, And my problem is, and where I get an issue with it is we're not talking about change. We're talking about returning to normal. But what was normal? What is normal normal for the spider is chaos for the fly. Exactly. You're looking at a world, and you you and I have somewhat different perspectives on it. My thing is when things are normal, I'm drowning in debt. When things are normal, I'm constantly stressing about how I'm going to pay each and every bill. When things are normal, all of these things. But under this system, the way it is right now, I've been able to get my bills paid down. I've been able to get myself straight. I've been able to create a workable routine for myself. Do you know what I mean? 
Whereas some people, I, I think the problem is that cabin fever and the concept of not knowing when this ends has yep. really worn on a lot of people. Had the and, government and I agree said, with you had, there. Had the governments come forward right away, like they didn't now in Canada, it's been very different. Justin Trudeau walked out. Now you can all you got to do is look at the difference in the way that they they do their press conferences. If you look at Trump's, he's got a bunch of people standing shoulder to shoulder saying you should socially distance and be six meters apart. But they're all standing shoulder to shoulder. Not anymore. He stopped doing that. Thank God, because it was terrible. Here you had a guy in a lawn talking, and when he started this thing, when he put the emergency measures in place. He literally said, we are probably a year to two years away from a, from a viable um, vaccine for this virus. That is reality. We are going to keep these emergency measures in place until we know it is safe to remove them. This is the timeline. This is it. We will be dealing with each and every province in order and allowing them to reopen. Now, where I live in New Brunswick, New Brunswick has literally been voted the safest place in North America right now because we have zero cases, active cases of COVID. We have zero active cases of COVID. We've had 170 cases of COVID. 168 of those cases have fully recovered. Two cases of COVID um, are still in treatment but are not dead, so we've had no deaths, right? Um, but we've started reopening slowly. And even here where we've got those stellar outstanding numbers, we're reopening slowly. This can reopen. Okay. That went well. Now we'll try this. But the one thing that I think everybody, and and I don't know what it's like in the States. Okay. I haven't been there. Can't say I can only go off what people tell me, but nowhere in this COVID thing, did it say you couldn't go for a walk? It just said you can't go to a park. You know what I mean? Go for a walk. Walk up and down the street. See, I Beaches can't, were closed. I, can't I get go, it. I can't go for a walk in my neighborhood because there are pit bulls in my neighborhood, and the last time I went for a walk in my neighborhood, I got attacked. Yeah, see, that's a different that's a different concern. Because to me, that, that is as much as them saying don't go out, people not keeping their dogs under control, that's taking away your right to go for a walk in your neighborhood. Exactly. And, I mean, the whole concept of rights, and you and I could go on for days about this. I really have a very different perspective. But we're going to run out of time. They're going to shut us up in about three minutes. Let's save that for another day. And let the archive archive people enjoy this. And uh, we will talk very, very soon, my friend. All right, and when I get this thing up, I I will tag you in it, and you send it out everywhere. I'll send it out everywhere and make sure people know to listen to it because it's a lot longer than what they heard on the air. Beautiful. I'm telling you. <laughs> and All when right. you get ready with All the right, second Jenny. album, we're going to do it again, right? Absolutely. Love you to peace. Right, you stay safe, okay? All right, you too. You stay Talk safe. Talk to you too. later. All right, bye. Mm. Bye. Bye-bye.